This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome along here to The Garden Show. I'm the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Nice to uh, be with you on this gorgeous-looking Saturday morning, certainly here in the Toronto area. Now, let me check with our expert uh, of uh, all gardens, and that would be Charlie Dobbin over there in Prince Edward County to the east uh, by several hundred kilometers. Good morning, Charlie. (laughs) Good morning, Frank. And, um, yeah, I like that. I'm the expert on all things gardening and weather. I'm the weather woman. Oh, well, <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> hey, it's not gorgeous here, but it is getting brighter. Oh, really? It's wet on the ground, and it's very overcast. But I, I think it's going to blow through. We're going to get some sun later. Well, hopefully. And, and this is a very important weekend. Of course, Mother's Day tomorrow. That's right. So we want to wish all the moms out there a, a wonderful day tomorrow. And hopefully your kids are going to come through with some goodies for you. <laughs> Well, at least a, a day off is nice. And know? I would I would bet that a number of those <laughs> presents will be in the form of a shrub or flowers or something to that effect. <laughs> or anyway. a gift certificate, right? Yeah. For uh, at a garden center? You got it. Uh, let <laughs> me get the numbers on the air here so I, I don't, uh, you know, get, get slayed by the boss like you <laughs> if I don't get this on soon. Okay, in Toronto, here's the number to reach Charlie Dobbin. It is 416 360 0740 and anywhere in the province toll free 1866 740 4740 our little mantra goes this way call early call often one question per call and if you happen to be a first time caller please let our operator carlos know he'll pass that word on to me and just before you get to the airways there you go. You get your garden wings. That bell makes me yeah. smile. Now, speaking of phones, I'm halfway down the Don Valley early this morning on the way uh-huh. to the station. Uh-huh. And I suddenly realized I haven't got my phone. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like you lose an arm. It's awful. I know. Don't you feel like you're naked? Like yeah. You have to check, make sure you got your clothes on? Well, if yes, you can forget your phone, you can forget your pants. <laughs> well, I, I had to call you and say, hey, you know, all no. those wonderful emails you sent me, I... I usually print them off at home. I didn't last night. Mm. And uh, so I thought, well, that's no problem. I'll print them off at the station. Of course, <laughs> no, not with uh, without the phone. So you had to send all those emails to my station. Uh, yeah, lady. double yeah. my work, my friends. Yeah, you. well, there you go. <laughs> now, look, uh, I, I don't know whether you want me to use this item off the bat, well, but I was... To mm. get out a few announcements. Oh, and then gosh, I, yeah, okay. Because yeah. I do have a few. Um, I have been receiving information from some of the garden clubs, so just yep. so everybody knows, you're welcome to shoot me updates on what you're up to as a club or a society, and I'm happy to put it on air. Everybody's Zooming these days, it seems. Uh, our friend Heather at the Riverdale Hort Society sent a note that they are doing Zoom meetings. They are would love to have everybody join so to check out what's going on, May 12th is the next one, which is a Wednesday. 
Uh, it's a photo contest. Well, they have ongoing photo contests every month. They, they have a, a topic that they have a contest on, so that's kind of fun. And they have a speaker, Ingrid, probably Jansen or Jansen. Topic is gardening in our golden years. For more information, www.riverdalehorticultural.ca. Uh, May 15th, this is the other thing that happens this time of year, are the plant sales. Mm. And, of course, because we're not doing any in-person stuff, or maybe we are. If you are having a plant sale where you're open to the public, you know, church parking lots, all that sort of thing is where they typically took place, let me know. Uh, the Alliston Garden Club wanted to just point out that they were probably doing a drive-through plant sale, uh, but they didn't have final information on that last time they talked to me. But you can con- you can see what's going on in Alliston on Facebook. Just go to the Alliston Garden Club and you'll get updates. And I'm sure that's true with any of the local societies. So, you know, if you're not sure if there's a society in your village or town, your city, go to gardenontario.org. All the societies and clubs are alphabetically listed. Once you find your club, you can uh, send them, shoot them an email, check out their website, or look them up on Facebook. All righty. You know, uh, um, I'll save this little item about what you can put on your uh, or the pole that holds your bird feeder, uh, suggested by Joseph Rosen. Uh, it is just a great tip. I'll hold that till a little bit later because we do have to take our first break right yeah. here on the show. Charlie Dobbin uh, on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, and we'll be along to say hi to Gregory calling in from Hamilton in just a moment here on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, let's uh, go to the phone lines where Gregory from Hamilton has been patiently waiting. Good morning, Gregory. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Excellent. I have a question about English ivy. We have it in a full sun area in the front of the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day, uh, my better half was buying raspberries from a lady that has English garden, English ivy in her garden. And she told us about a life cycle of English ivy, sleep, mm-hmm. leap, and then something else. Um, <laughs> ours has mounded. I would like it more of a, uh, in a carpet shape. So she talked about taking out the dead in order to get that mound down to a ground, like a, a nice looking ground cover. Mm-hmm. Um, can you- about this this three life cycle remember there is something about I've, I've never heard of it so that's an interesting I'll uh, see if I can figure that one out but English ivy will like so many plants they will do what they want regardless of what you want so because English ivy can climb up and it can lay flat it can climb over your plants it can do a lot of things it uh, it's a bit of a challenge Make sure that if you want it to really be a ground cover, make sure there's ground for it to cover. If it's quite a crowded garden with lots of other plants in there, that might be part of why it's mounting on top of itself. It also does grow well in the shade. It likes a moist, shady, organic kind of soil, and it will just spread out very quickly. And I will warn you, it can be very invasive. It's actually on the invasive plant list um, and can uh, out compete many of the native plants so i i unfortunately at one point planted it at my place way back in richmond hill and i can't tell you how many hours i and every teenager i could hire spent digging it out 
because it was really hard to get it out. It, it's very deep. It, it sends its roots down very deep, uh, and you have to get out all the roots in order to kill it. So just be aware of that. Um, it just can be a bit challenging that way. Okay, so being that it is in the full sun, last thing. Sorry, Frank, one more. Being that it's in the full sun, do I have to uh, water it more often then? Um, well, I'm not so much necessarily water, but make sure you've got mulch down on the ground on the soil, surface of the soil and make okay. sure that it's a good quality. You've added organic matter to the soil and the ivy will be very happy and it, it's likely to spread much more than it currently is. Thank you, Patrolman Proctor. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I let you go. I let you go by on that one. Thanks, Gregory. <laughs> I, I could tell he felt. Oh, I'm getting it close here. I know. He that like, second question it, coming in. If I say it fast, maybe <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm always delighted when we we receive uh, messages from folks who listen in from far away. Here's a classic uh, international connection here. Uh, a note from Connie Mitchell. She says. Uh, Love your show. Listen via podcast since I'm in a very different time zone in the North Shore of Lake Tahoe. I was thrilled to hear a fellow North Shore resident also listens to you and emailed a question. So I thought, hey, I'll give it a shot. I have many, but I'll keep it to one this time. We have a one-year-old peach tree in Grass Valley that we do uh, we did not put dormant spray on. Now it's suffering from terrible leaf curl. Is there anything I can do right now? Ants are starting to infest the stressed tree. Or do I just wait until the fall because it's already producing fruit? Should I cut the suffering leaves off that collie mm-hmm. uh, pardon me uh, connie in lake tahoe isn't that neat that's very cool yeah i am um, because that's a very different part of the world right this yeah. is uh on the, the right on the edge between nevada and california lake tahoe so i did look this up because here you know and, and what i basically i did send an email response to connie as well here in ontario if we have peach trees that are showing signs of peach leaf curl, which some of you listening might have that happening, you need to spray the dormant spray. That's the lime sulfur and horticultural oil mixed together with water and sprayed onto a dormant tree. So all of our fruit trees, while they're dormant, if you still have dormant trees and you haven't sprayed them, get out there and spray them today. Uh, and if you spray it and you're still getting peach leaf curl, Spray twice. So spray again in the fall once the leaves drop. And I'm suggesting that Connie do the same thing. As well, you know, peaches, if, if you're buying a peach, do your research. There are some varieties that are resistant to peach leaf curl. So when you're in a situation where you can choose, choose resistant varieties. And remember as well, tender loving care makes all the difference with our plants. So uh, in terms of Connie and her tree, I just said, you know what, make sure you've got lots of organic matter dug in around the tree. Make sure you've mulched over the surface of the soil, not allowing the mulch to touch the bark of the tree. And when, when and if she and we get into drought conditions, it's water deep, water deep, water deep. So slow trickle, long deep watering in hot, hot, dry summers. Um, I also found a good University of California web link that I sent off to Connie too. So. Oh, good stuff. Good for you. <clears throat> yeah, Alrighty. It's, it's different. In different parts of the world, we have different things going on. Exactly. Okay. We have to take another little break here. We're coming back to say hi to Gloria, maybe just around the corner here in Toronto on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin coming up next. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Wow, my head's still swimming from that uh, Norm Edwards boxers, briefs, or uh, birthday suit. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Morning, Normie, in case you're tuned in. Hey, we've got to say hi to Gloria in Toronto on the line right now. Good morning, Gloria. Uh, good morning, Charlie and Frank. It's good nice morning. to hear your voices. I'm just looking out my window. My sky is blue. There's clouds and a little bit of sun. Good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> So it's quite nice. My question today is, I've called you before, and I got that formula for hostas. It's uh, one part uh, ammonia and ten parts water. Well, I didn't get out when it was so cold where I was living, and I am a senior, so I I just put some ammonia, a little bit of ammonia, around the edges, and my, the leaves are just coming up. Uh, and I'm just wondering if, if I, I think they're going to be okay. I didn't I didn't drown the plant with ammonia, but uh, I'm just wondering um, if that was okay to do that. Well, I think it's good you got something out before the leaves emerged, because if you had put straight ammonia or even water mixed with ammonia onto leaves, you would see some dieback on the plant. But um, if you put it around the plant, uh, I would think that some of that will be absorbed through the roots, but remember, what is ammonia? Ammonia is nitrogen and hydrogen, and plants love both those things. So oh, they do. Oh, that's yeah, great. So it, it won't be, shouldn't be a problem at all. Uh, main thing is you don't want to get it on the leaves, so you've got it on the soil. And what you're trying to do, of course, is uh, protect your hostas. You're being proactive when it comes to slugs and snails. Well, then I can continue with the other side of my garden, because I have about uh, six uh, hostas. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would drizzle a little bit uh, out around, you know, sort of, uh, obviously, you can see the little noses of the hostas just probably starting to protrude through the soil. So mm-hmm. out beyond that, of course, uh, drizzle a little bit. It, it, may, it may provide some good protection. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Well, happy Mother's Day to you, hey, Charlie. Thank you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> have, have a nice uh, growing time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Looks like a great weekend. We've had lots of rain here. Super. Okay. Hey, thanks, Gloria. Nice of you to join us on this uh, weekend and a beautiful Saturday morning shaping up here. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, we've got a, an email here. I just love this. Kathy McKay. Uh, mm-hmm. But I love how she spells your name. C-H-A-R-L-E-I-G-H. Very classy, I would say. <laughs> yeah, rather <laughs> you know, royal. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Kathy says, uh, my rhododendron is in the corner of my backyard under my Norway maple, apparently placed there because they don't like windy spots. It's been blooming for the past week, but the foliage is a bit sparse. Anything I can do, love your show and your easygoing, approachable style. Well, isn't that nice? That's nice. Thanks, Kathy. So Kathy's writing to us from Pickering. So rhododendrons can be a bit challenging in Ontario. A couple of things, because, you know, we have more email coming, and there's another rhododendron question coming. So you're absolutely right. Rhododendrons, generally speaking, do not want to be in a windy spot, particularly in the winter wind. So we protect them from the northwest side. It's great that it's blooming because the rhodos set their buds in the fall. So the buds are there all winter, and then early in the spring, those buds will open. So very sparse foliage tells me a couple of things. One is the pH, the natural pH of our soil in Ontario is limestone based and rhododendrons like an acid soil. So what I would do if I were you, Kathy, I'd get a hold of some peat moss or 
If you have a friend or a neighbor or on your property, you have a big old spruce tree or a pine tree where needles have dropped and are at the bottom of that big old evergreen, rake up those needles, get them, and use them as a mulch around your rhododendron. So that's going to help acidify the soil as those needles slowly decompose. Before you put the needles there, get yourself some rhododendron fertilizer, very specific fertilizer for acid-loving plants. And you may have other plants on the property that would benefit as well, like magnolia, excuse me, hydrangea, blueberries. There's a bunch of plants that love an acid soil. So first the fertilizer, then that acid-based mulch, so those pine needles or spruce needles around the plant. And... um, Under a Norway maple can be challenging because Norway maples are absolute brutes. They take all the moisture. They take all the the fertility for themselves. So recognize that as well. Make sure that you, you, you have like bumped up the soil. If the soil is a little sparse, that's where the peat moss comes in and water. Um, the Norway maple will take all the water on a hot summer, so you've got to make sure the rhododendron gets some too. So it, it, they're a little bit finicky. You're going to have to pay some attention to it, but uh, they're certainly beautiful to have in the garden. Excellent. Okay. Uh, oh, Elizabeth is on the line from Toronto. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. Thank you ever so much. I um, have a, a natural a native from English garden, so you can imagine what it looks like. I saw a cosmos coming up, and I've seen my chrysanthemums, and the snaps haven't come up yet. But um, they're protruding, and they're growing. However, I found the seeds that I collected from the plants last year, and I'm wondering, can I put the seeds on the ground now? And I don't want to weed, because I'm not sure what I'll be pulling up or digging holes, so I was wondering if I could just put the seeds on top, if I can do this, put the seeds on top of the ground and then cover with a little earth and leave them, and will yeah. they grow? Right. Basically, I would, uh, pretend you're Mother Nature. So what would Mother Nature have done? Those seeds would have, been, would have matured on the plants last, last summer or last fall, and then typically, most plants, the seeds will drop to the ground. Yeah. Sometimes they get carried by birds. Some are actually even ejected from the plants. It's kind of cool. But um, you've collected the seeds. The main thing now is to make a nice seed bed. So you uh, make sure it's, the soil is in good condition. It's not tired old soil that's got some good organic material in it. May, rough it up a bit so it's not super smooth. But just with a rake or, or a cultivator, a little bit of roughing up. And then sprinkle the seeds. And then with your hands... Just gently press the seeds down to the ground so there's what we call good seed-soil contact. Mm -hmm. Seeds will not grow if they're above the soil. They need to be in actual contact with the soil. And then you're right. You can sprinkle a little tiny bit of soil, not a lot, just a tiny bit, just to help with a little bit of moisture around the seeds. Um, but, But don't bury them because many seeds actually need, not many, but some seeds actually need light to germinate. So that's one of those fine lines. It's like when we were putting out lawn seed. We want to bury it so the birds won't take it, but then we want to leave it on the surface because it will grow better if it's on the surface. Well, thank you ever so much. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you, Elizabeth. For calling. 
All righty. Yes, indeed. Um, oh, I just thought I'd better mention, I'm just going to read an email here, but let me get your email address on the air, Charlie. It's always nice when Charlie receives uh, an email from you folks, because then she has a chance to do a little bit of research, as opposed to, you know, flying off the by the seat of her pants. What are you talking about? I do all of this off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, everything. Yes, of course. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, if you want to give her a bit, bit of a helping hand and a head start, um, it go, goes this way. See dot dobbin that's d-o-b-b-i-n at mzmedia.com okay now that's what marilyn grossi did she wrote in said good morning last year i planted small blue stem and large blue stem grasses but i haven't seen anything emerge yet is it too soon to see them thank you marilyn Right. So this email is one week old, Mm -hmm. and Marilyn has not told us where she's writing from. She's in the Toronto. You know what? The further north you are, the slower everything is to emerge in the spring. So, um, frankly, my ornamental grasses, generally speaking, are barely showing any life at all. So remain calm. Gardening is patience. (laughs) So... (laughs) They're probably alive. That's a pretty hardy plant, so they're likely alive. But did you cut them back, right? Remember in the spring, we cut back all of our ornamental grasses to approximately two to four inches high off the ground level and uh, compost what you cut off. So I would say they're probably alive. They just haven't woken up yet. And make sure that you've done that cutting back. You won't be able to do it once they start to grow. Okay. (laughs) Bouncing along to Burlington. Connie is on the line to have a question for you. Charlie, good morning, Connie. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Thank you for taking my question. I've been reading and researching planting vegetables. This is the first year for my friend and I to have a vegetable garden. Charlie, could you explain why some plants are not compatible with other plants? I have read that peppers are not compatible with beans. Mm. Why and how far apart should they be from each other in a garden? Okay, so... Excuse me. There is very little scientific evidence that I know of on the compatibility around what we call companion planting, but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence on how some plants thrive much more in the presence of each other than they do separately, and some plants don't thrive in the presence of each other. So an example would be tomatoes. Tomatoes are considered narcissistic plants. They, they want to own the garden. They don't want anybody close by. However, we know if we plant basil near our tomatoes, they both do quite nicely, and they also taste amazing together when we, when we start harvesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, beans versus anything else, I mean, they're very different families. So you're going to rotate these plants anyway next year when you, when you replant. Um, you know, it's like garlic. Many times we plant garlic close to some of our plants because garlic is considered a very, very good little uh, plant for preventing insect infestations. So, yeah, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I mean, you, you can try a little experiment yourself and try putting some, some beans next to uh, something and then not so next to, you know, when we talk about being how far apart, eh, two feet, three feet apart is plenty. Don't worry. It's not like they have to be, you know, half a kilometer or anything. Um, just give them some space. But realize many of the vegetables get a lot bigger than you realize. So give all of them lots of space. 
All right. Okay, that's okay. great. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. welcome. Thank you. Now, I'm going to uh, refer to a, an email that I'm dying to get on the air because <laughs> I have, I run into a problem with my bird feeder. And, well, here's the thing. Joe Rosen, who listens in from Dunkirk, New York, sends this in. He says, hi, Charlie. Just wanted to share a little tip. For years, I've been frustrated by squirrels at my bird feeders and other unwanted locations. I couldn't find anything to repel them until now. Long story short, but I put Vicks VapoRub, actually the cheaper dollar store variety, in strategic locations like on branches, poles, wires, etc., near my feeders, and it works. Squirrels go as far as the stuff, then they turn around. My sister tried it on their feeders, had the same results. Don't know if it's the texture or the methyl, uh, menthol, but it does the job. So he says, I'm interested to find out if anyone else would try it. You're darn right I'm going to try it. Yeah. They, They've been driving me crazy. Those little, I used Vaseline, right. but see, it doesn't have that menthol uh, no. in there. No, so. and did you did you find that the Vaseline helped? Yeah, for a bit, and then it kind of wears off a little bit, you know. And they it's they can't get into the bird feeder to get the actual right. seeds because mm-hmm. it's one of those that you know pulls down a ring, which oh, uh, then because of the weight closes off the openings yeah, those, to get at yeah. the seed. So it's a super thing, but you know they're just they're bothersome. I'll put it that way. Anyway, what? Joe, thank you very much for that. But um, here's Frank. Here's another tip that I got from yeah. one of my other email addresses, and it's from Janet uh, Ancorn out of Montreal. And uh-huh. she says that she's just talking about Vaseline instead of the, the vapor rub, the menthol uh, right. petroleum jelly. She's talking just straight petroleum jelly smeared on tulip stems and buds. Not only makes them, them waterproof, but the squirrels hate it and they leave the tulips alone. <laughs> That's so, crazy. Well, if you had, like, yeah. hundreds of tulips, you'd be crawling around on your hands and knees doing this little smearing of, of Vaseline on the stems and buds. But she said it works really well. So there's, boy, you know, the things we can use in our gardens to uh, keep things safe from those pesky squirrels. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Rodents with big tails. <laughs> now, we have uh, a note here. Uh, oh, I'm going to the phone line again. Getting myself confused, Charlie. Uh, oh. Diane, it's not too hard for me. <laughs> Diane in Toronto on the line. Good morning, Diane. How are you today? Good, thank you. Good morning. Uh, I have a um, 10-foot weeping white pine. Um, It has um, sort of like a a white cottony type, uh, I guess it's an insect. Uh, It's on the trunk as well as the tips of the branches. Um, I I noticed it last year, but it wasn't as uh, prolific. And I I just sprayed it with a stream of water, but this year it's getting quite bad. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's a number of things that look white woolly. Uh, are they little, tiny woolly? Uh, no, it's more like a cluster, like a cottony type thing. Uh, you know what it probably is? What? It is egg sacs of gypsy moths. Oh, shoot. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think so. So I'll tell you what, you go out there, as soon as you get off the phone, go out there with a... Um, just a whatever, a cup of water and a little drop of oil or a drop of soap in it and take a, a dull knife with you or something, you know, like a, a butter knife and go and peel one of those sacks off and look inside. You will see a bunch of eggs. If you do, then you'll know that that is the egg sack of gypsy moths. Um, and if so, obviously you want to drown them and you want to peel, like spend the whole day scraping them off the tree. Uh, because that's exactly what they look like at this time of year. They are quite white, fluffy, and they're definitely on the bark of trees. Ooh. 
Um, and so that, but the other thing is it could be something else. So start with that. If it's not what I'm suggesting, see if you can get a good sort of a photograph and then email it to me. Okay, I'll do that. I'll definitely go out and do that right away. <laughs> because like I said, I had it launched here. It wasn't so bad. And it was on the mm-hmm. trunk too. Right. Okay. So it could be they... that, but it could be scale, like scale insects. There's a bunch of different insects that can look like that. But um, yeah, if necessary, take a picture and send it to my my email address. Perfect. Thank you so Thank much. And you. happy Mother's Day tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day to one mm-hmm. and all out there. Um, hey, um, I want to just tell you something. Yeah. Uh, so you know what I did this week, which was kind of fun? What was that? Uh, well, you might know that there's a TV show uh, that is uh, produced right there, right in the TV studio, yeah. door to the radio station, uh, by Zoomer, by MZ Media, and it's called The Zoomer. It's, it's a weekly mm-hmm. kind of topical show, lifestyles, that sort of thing. Um, lovely Marissa, I forget her last name. She's the host of it. It's a nice show. Anyway, uh, this past week... I was part of the taping of a gardening episode and uh, by Zoom. I've never done TV by Zoom oh. before. So in my backyard, I was uh, Zooming to tape, obviously, <clears throat> and they will edit it, and it will be on TV. The, the, uh, the Zoomer will be on Vision TV, and I will let everybody know when that's airing, but I imagine it will be out in the next week or so. So um, stay tuned for me on TV from my backyard via Zoom. Whoa, a star is born. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're ha- having to take a little bit of a break right here, but uh, coming back with more from Charlie Dobbin answering those questions you're firing at her this morning and uh, the phone lines just in case you uh, want to give a call in in Toronto, 416-360-0740 anywhere in the province. It is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740 back in just a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, we're uh, going to uh, go to the fine li- phone lines once again here. And there is uh, Lorraine in Cambridge. Good morning, Lorraine. Hi. Um, I'm close to South, South Cambridge, which is close to the edge of the Carolinian Park. And I have um, the big bluegrasses. I have several different um, native things. And um, I cut them back. They're, they're late this year. And um, I cut them back in the spring because I like to enjoy mm-hmm. the foliage during the winter for interest. Yep, I wondered, is that bad for it? Oh, not at all. No, that's a good point. I, I, it wasn't clear probably <clears throat> when I was oh. uh, responding to that email. I leave all my ornamental grasses standing up for the winter. I love them. They're beautiful. They, they move in the wind. They, they rustle. They, they, they um, obviously turn bronzes and different colors. Yeah, they're just but beautiful. It, it's one of the first chores we can do in the spring. Uh, assuming you can get out onto your lawn or get into the garden where these grasses are, yep. cutting them down early in the spring is, is a great idea and, and important for the, the next season's growth. So no, what you're doing is absolutely correct. And I find the small ones bloom, uh, grow first and the larger ones take a little longer to re- respond yeah. to the sun. Yeah, to the warmth and to get going. Oh, good. Well, thank you for that. Good. Uh, 
Bye-bye. For um, Marilyn Grassi, who hopefully is listening. <laughs> okay, good enough. Uh, on the uh, email side of things, I have a note here from Janice Land. It says, hi, Charlie. I have this umbrella tree. At least I think that's what it is. Anyway, the leaves are always covered in something that feels very sticky and it seems to drip onto the floor. What is this, and can I stop it? Mm-hmm. And... Janice sent a couple of photographs, which are kind of from afar. They're not really showing me anything, but it is definitely, yes, commonly called an umbrella tree, properly called a chaflura. So chafluras are very, very susceptible to a whole bunch of insects, which are the kinds of insects that have mouth parts that are almost like a straw, like a sharp straw. So we've got mealybug, we've got spider mite, and we've got scale. All of those, well, spider mites being spiders, but the, the insects being the mealybug and the scale, <clears throat> they will pierce the leaves and they will suck the juices from the leaves. And when they move on, none of them move very far, but when they move on, they leave holes behind. And that's why you get that stickiness dripping uh, out of those microscopic holes that have been left behind by the insects. So you've got to look really closely, look for any of those things. Certainly you can Google what they look like, mealybug, spider mite or scale, uh, is it possible to eliminate them? Not really. They're hard to eliminate. Yeah. Mealybug is very hard. Spider mite's virtually impossible. Scale, you know, it, all things are possible, but it, it is a long process. And they're very, very resistant to any of the chemicals. So it be- becomes very much of a, almost picking off if you have any of those insects. The only other, and it's, but that's, where, that's the sticky part. If you have ever had an indoor plant where you see drops on the tips of the leaves uh, in the morning, usually when you go to look at your plants, there's little drops of water. Now, this is not sticky. This is straight water that has actually emerged out of the leaves, and it usually happens when we've recently watered the plant, and the humidity is fairly high in the room where the plant is located. Uh, Moisture will actually, again, come out of microscopic holes on the underside of the leaves, and then collect on the tips. But it's, there's a big difference between sticky sap and straight water on the surface. So make sure that if, if it's just straight water, don't worry about it. If it's sticky, look really closely and let's figure out what's going on. Okay. I'm delighted to have a call from Kitchener from Maureen because she is a first-time caller. Wait a minute. Oh, great. There we are. Hey, hey Maureen, welcome to the show. Yes, hello. Uh, good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, but I have, um, I have a big problem in my backyard. Mm-hmm. It's a disaster. It's, there is blue violets growing. Mm. And I have something else like, um, it's like a creeping Charlie. It's like a small little, little shamrock or whatever. Oh, yes. Oh, very clover, probably. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Moss. So it's really, I have a big backyard, so it's really, mm. we tried putting like vinegar on it. Mm different things, but um, it's still creeping through there. It's very hard to control. Yeah. And you want a lawn, probably. Pardon? You want a lawn, I imagine. I want a lawn. It's very little grass growing through there. Mm-hmm. So it's a big yard. To have somebody come to dig it up would be, you know, very expensive. That's the problem. Yeah, and there's no... Uh, b- the Violets are a good example of a plant that is virtually impossible to kill. <laughs> Yes, they, they look beautiful, I must they say. They are. I they're lovely them. in the spring. But they, I, they, you can make tea from them. They look nice, but they're spreading. And then they're jumping yeah. from one side of the garden yeah. to the far side. Yep. Can't I figure know. out why they're doing that, you know. Seeds. They, they, uh, and the, 
what's even more amazing about violets is they actually produce seeds underground. So oh, even if yes. you remove all the flowers uh, and you think, okay, I've removed the flowers, there won't be any seeds, you're wrong because there's seeds being produced underground. So they always spread. Yes, so yes. You, it's a dig out with them. It's dig and get every piece of the violet. Clover is probably the other plant, the shamrock-looking plant. Yeah, uh, I'm not opposed to clover myself, but many people are. <clears throat> again, it's I've, that one has a deep tap root. So again, it's a dig. You'd have to dig this all out, or um, vinegar is not going to kill everything. Um, if you get a very like proper horticultural vinegar and you mm-hmm. spray it on a hot day, hot sunny mm-hmm. day, you're you're more likely to kill some of it, <clears throat> and then. Mm-hmm spray again and again and again until everything's dead. But yes. it would be on a hot, sunny day, and you'd be very careful to not spray anything that you love uh, because that would die as well. The, the vinegar um, doesn't work as well on a cool, uh, cloudy day. It works way better in the heat. Mm-hmm. So there's that or suffocation. I, I understand it's a big yard, but um, using a tarpaulin and working on quadrants, Maybe uh, slowly over a period of several weeks and months, you can slowly but surely just kill everything. And as soon as everything's dead, get mm-hmm. some fresh topsoil, get some seeds and get or sod, and get mm-hmm. what, get planted in there. What you do want. Mm-hmm. But as it is, you can't really spray anything on it at the moment for it to get rid of it. You have to sort of dig it out. Do you eventually? Yeah, it's too cool right now for the vinegar yes. to work. Yeah, um, we tried covering it. You know. Mm-hmm. We tried covering it, but it's still coming up. Oh, well, okay, when you cover, you've got to make sure you cover tight to the ground. You put rocks all around your tarpaulin, okay. all around the edges or soil, and you've got to leave that tarpaulin there for six, eight, ten weeks. It's, a, it's quite a long process. Okay, okay, yeah. Actually, what we had to do is we had to dig up the front yard. We had to dig the top off. It took everything off. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to put down some soil and put down some um, mm-hmm. pot yeah. on top. Okay. That's what we've done in the front, but the backyard is far, far, far too big to do something like yeah. that. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a challenge. Those big yards can be a challenge. And once they get the, the weeds start to invade or infest, it, they can really take over, and you lose your lawn so quickly. I do. I get calls like this all the time. So, um, yeah, I know it's a. Sometimes it's just like enjoy the violets in the spring, and it's green otherwise. You know, clover yes. is green even during a drought. So yes. it's, and you don't have to mow it very often. Like, it's just, you know, bees love it. So there's lots of reasons why clover is not a bad thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I hear you. It's, it's not what you're wanting, but it's an awful lot of work to It see. can be really maddening, I, I know. I think the birds like it a lot. That's the thing. The birds. <laughs> true, true. There, they love it. Thank you, Maureen. We have yes. to move okay, along here, my love. We're uh, kind of stepping over into our next break, and I don't want to do that because, well, sponsors are hard to come by, aren't they? You don't, <laughs> you don't want to blow them away, no. So we're going to give uh, some of our fine sponsors a chance to get their messages on the air, then return here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dubbin. This is Zoomer Radio Toronto. CFZM FM and CFZM AM, owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, let's welcome Michael to the line just around the corner here in Toronto, I do believe. Good morning, Michael. 
Yes, uh, good morning, Frank and Charlie. Uh, quick question here about tulips. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I pl- these are fresh planted last fall tulips, mm-hmm. and I'm having a very unusual problem. I'd say about 20% of them. They're coming up nicely, but then mid-stem, there's like a constriction, uh, like a form of wilt, and then, then the uh, flower is just falling over, unopened. Huh. It's not been bitten. Uh, I don't. Uh, I I can't figure it out. I'd say it's a it's a reliable source, and I've mm-hmm. never seen this in a tulip before. So you understand the leaves yeah. are there, yeah, the I get stem, it. the buds, everything intact. But around mid stem, it's almost it almost looks like a kind of wilt that you'd get uh, on other uh, plant materials. You know, n- non bulb, and I can't figure it out. I have never seen such a thing. <clears throat> yes, and it's on various clumps because I've planted them cl- in clumps of about seven or eight in, in various spots. Of course, it's the same garden, but they're separated by as much as, you know, 25 feet. So, uh, yeah, so, so you've not heard of that. I've never seen it before. No, me neither. And so, and you look closely, like there's no, no little bites in the stems? No, no, not, not at all. The only thing I was wondering, is it the possibility of uh, that we had that bit of snow earlier, but these were very only newly emergent. You know, a few weeks back we had a, quite a bit of snow, uh, but um, I, I, I did, they weren't so emergent that they would have fallen over. Mm-hmm. Or could it be wind? Mm. And I've never seen that before. Your tulips, they're pretty sturdy. I know. You should, I, where I live now, I've got like hurricane force wind constantly at the front of my house. And the tulips are just waving in the breeze. Like they, they've been quite sturdy and none of them have sort of fallen yeah, over. they're not from snapped. No, um, and it's not, okay, so I'm just trying to think, are they buried deep enough? Like how, how far down did yeah, you I put them up? in and uh, yeah, they were in quite deep. I was actually fearful that I'd maybe buried them too deep when I planted them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you can't actually bury them too deep. Oh, I, um, okay, good to know for future up, reference. But Yeah, they'll just come but, up later. The, the mm, deeper you plant and, them, and, the later. Uh, in fact, up. my... I have squirrel issues here, but uh, yeah. the, the squirrel issues are quite under control. They, they've not bitten anything off. Wow. So they usually go for the uh, tulip um, a bud, and uh, no, not, not this year. I haven't had that problem at all. Well, okay, well, that's interesting. Because uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, get in contact. Well, um, like you said, it's from a good source, so it's a reliable source. I got source. it from a mainstream uh, nursery yeah. here in the yeah. fall. Yes, yeah. good supply, yeah. Well, we, I, think I got to mention had... the varieties, Washington. Oh, okay, They're quite, yeah. you know, yellow with uh, red thrush, you know. Nice. So it's a quite, quite common, long-established uh, variety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm going to contact Caroline DeVries. She owns a bulb importing company, um, in Tor- and she works out of Mississauga. And her company for wholesale is called Tradewinds, but for those of you that might want to buy from her as a retailer, her website is Flower Bulbs Are Us. Okay. And I will send her a quick email, and so stay tuned. I'll report back on this uh, next week, Michael. Sorry, I, I don't have an answer right now. <laughs> okay. Gee whiz, uh, we're just about out of uh, racetrack here, my friends. Um, oh. And time enough, though, to say I, I hope that uh, Sid, your your daughter, Sydney, and son, Keenan have at least a nice card for you. Uh, <laughs> oh, <count laughs> maybe <on> some. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe something else too. Well, uh, no. yeah. When when I lived with my children, they, particularly my daughter, she was so cute. She'd make me breakfast in bed, and she'd make a whole menu, and I could yeah. choose whatever I wanted. So uh, last year I had Mother's Day without my kids, and this year the same thing. No kids. Yeah. Uh, we're we're all very socially distanced. We're not in the same bubble by any means, and uh, I'm hoping I'll see the kids for for their dad's birthday, which comes up right right around Father's Day in June. So. Hoping, uh, you know, fingers crossed that we'll, we'll be able to cross paths then. Yeah, but for now, yeah. we're not happening. But what about no. you? You got something planned nice for Shirley? Uh, well, actually, we're self-isolating, so we're not seeing anybody. You know, uh, it's 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 maddening. It really is. Well, it's getting to the here. point where it really is really bugging me that I can't see my grandkids, can't see my two yeah. sons, well, here, my daughter. Here's a, here's a little tip. On okay. your way home today, yep. swing through that metro store and grab some flowers. <laughs> Oh, you know what? That's a darn good idea. Yeah, if nothing else, flowers (laughs) will brighten her day. All right. Thank you, my love. All right. Thank you, Frank. Couldn't do any of this without your help. And Carlos, same thing. Appreciate both of you. And uh, I will wish every mother out there a wonderful day tomorrow. Hope it's a day off with some good breakfast in bed. And we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.